Welcome to the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. I'm Wayne Washington, founder and CEO of Grow Company Profits. We help CEOs stop leaving money on the table while sustaining profitability to fund managed growth. The CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast is basically CEOs helping other CEOs with tips, tools, and techniques to implement company projects or other work activities on time, on target, and on budget. Let's spend the next 30 minutes together with my guest CEO and maybe learn some different tools to put into your CEO toolbox. Welcome to the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. This is a podcast by CEOs for CEOs who are seeking execution excellence. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by Charles Reed, who's the president and CEO of Get Payroll. Charles, I am so glad that you're here. I'm glad you took the time to talk to us today. And I hope you, we hope to get in some kind of good conversation. Are you ready to get started? Wayne, absolutely. I want to thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Okay. Well, just to get make sure we're on the same page, it's Charles Reed and it's www.getpayroll.com is, is the web address, is how someone would get a hold of, of Charles. But Charles, talk about, you know, when you use it, you look at the title, Get Payroll. That gives people a general idea of what you do, but I'm quite sure you do more than get payroll. You know, you, you do pay. Tell us, tell what is get payroll about? What are some of the things you guys do? Well, obviously, we do payroll. We prepare paychecks and direct deposits for our clients around the country. We're in most every state. Uh, I'm a CPA as well. Now, we have services of, of payroll, HR. Uh, we work with workers' comp and other things that are payroll-related. So we can handle all those things. If we don't do it, we have partners that do. But our real unique selling proposition for Get Payroll is compliance. I'm a certified public accountant. I'm also a U.S. tax court practitioner, which allows me to represent my clients in U.S. tax court, even though I'm not an attorney. So if they get into real problems, we can fix them. But I specialize in compliance. This is this is what I do, and I've been doing for many years. Now, our competitors do a, a reasonably good job at preparing paychecks. I mean, otherwise, they'd be out of business. So, but if you have a problem, when the IRS makes a mistake, and they make millions of them, or you make a mistake, or somebody around you makes a mistake, and the IRS says, well, you owe us a penalty, plus interest and so on, 60% of the penalties the IRS assesses for employment tax get abated wow. by people like me okay, that know what they're doing. But most payroll companies don't have anybody that the client can talk to. Okay. Okay. If you call one of my major competitors, I won't call them by name. I'll just use their initials, ADP, and, <laughs> and ask to speak to a CPA. You can't talk to one. Now, they have them in the office to do their accounting and their tax work. But as a client, you can't talk to them. And that's true with most of our competitors. Okay. You can't get a professional. They'll tell you to talk to your CPA. And if your CPA really understood payroll, 
he'd be doing your payroll for you already. Right, right. So you may never need us. You may never have that mistake. But when you do, it's like when you have that car wreck or your house burns down, God, you're happy to have that insurance because it's too late to buy it then. So that's what we do. We provide that peace of mind and that compliance expertise that our competitors just don't do. Well, well, tell me, Charles, how did you get started? I mean, that's, uh, I know you have a military background. How did you get started in, in the payroll business? Well, I had been in corporate and got real tired of corporate life uh-huh. uh, and realized I was never going to run a major corporation. I didn't have the political skills. Still okay. don't. Okay. I'm unwilling to stab people in the back and toss them off the ladder. I understand. Okay. So, uh, you know, I was never going to get to the top. So if I wanted to run a business, and I grew up in a family business, I was going to have to start my own. So I've been working after I left Penny's with uh, Financial Express, which is a franchise outfit here in Dallas, uh, that did accounting, mobile accounting, and payroll. And I was the COO, and the board was after the company to sell off the original office. So I bought it. And a year later, the franchisor went belly up, mismanagement. And uh, we just changed the name, Ruth and I, and kept going. And that was 30 years ago. When, when they went belly up, what, what did you say to yourself? Was it, oh, darn, what do we do now? I mean, uh, you ha- how did you have the confidence to move forward with that kind of a, a major awakening? Well, the major awakening was buying the business to start with. Okay. Th- them going away, they'd just been a drain on my cash flow. <laughs> they okay. weren't helping me. I, I knew more about the business than anybody at the franchise or did. Okay. Having been COO, learned it, then taking it over and running it, they were of no value to me anymore. Okay. They were just a drain and they wanted their, their franchise fee. Okay. So what, was that, what was that initial shock of, you say, buying a business was initial shock. What, what was, what was, and you look back in your memory, what were some of the things that stood, stood out, stand out in your mind that was those initial shocks? Well, one of the things, I grew up in a family business. My parents worked together all of my life. So I thought working with your spouse was <laughs> normal. Well, let me tell you, working with your spouse is an unnatural act. Okay? <laughs> I understand. <laughs> if you've ever worked with yours, you do. It's because the relationship in the marriage is not the relationship at work. And you have to sort those things out and, and, and renegotiate your marriage <laughs> in your business. So that was one of the big ones. Uh-huh. Uh, other than that, uh, it, was, it was tough in the beginning. I mean, it was 70, 80 hours a week. Uh, we did a lot of taxes and tax season was just you know a nightmare, of course. Okay. <laughs> but it was just, it was fun. It was Ruth and I. Uh, our clients, we had good clients and we were growing, we had word of mouth. So, uh, but there were surprises along the way. Uh, when we set up our, our company uh, and we reincorporated, we got a sales tax number. And I said, oh, well, I'll just pay it yearly instead of quarterly or monthly, the sales uh-huh. tax. Well, when the sales tax bill came at the end of the year, it was substantially more than I'd expected. <laughs> and I immediately went to monthly after that. So I, I could, I could imagine. And uh, just, you know, all the things that are running a business. Uh, one of the biggest ones was hiring that first person that was not 
a revenue producer. Okay. Uh, this was 30 years ago. We hired Penny. Penny was a receptionist secretary, a wonderful young lady. When she left us, she became the executive assistant to the head of Mary Kay Cosmetics. Okay. That's how good she was. That's very good. Uh, but taking that step to hire somebody that didn't bring in revenue was tough. But it taught me that properly done, she freed up so much of my time that I could create more revenue than she was costing me. Okay. That's, that, that, that sounds like a very profitable thing to do. It, it was. I didn't realize it in the beginning. I just needed help. But I learned that I, she, she could be a cost center by herself uh -huh. in, in time savings for myself and the rest of my staff. Um, now, when, you, so, when, you start, when you started, Chelsea, for, for interacting, when you started, were you, did you have national clients then? And if you didn't, how did you grow to become more, to become more of a national presence? Got into the internet very early on. Okay. Okay. In the, we started in 91. Uh, in the early 90s, probably 93, 94, uh, we produced the first green payroll. Uh, and we advertised it on the internet. And we started picking up clients around the country. Okay. We were, we were an early adopter. Uh, a lot of CPAs and a lot of payroll companies are still local. Now, we're, we're one of the smaller national firms. There's only a few of us national payroll companies. So I compete with the, the ADPs, the paychecks, the paycoms. Okay. Uh, most of them are local, but the, the, by spreading nationally, it lowers my risk. Okay. If there's a recession that affects us all, it affects us all. But if there's, you know, an ice storm in Dallas, well, it's not affecting my clients in Florida or California or Illinois. Okay. And with the tech changes in technology, moving from uh, faxes to uh, emails to online, it has just made it simple to handle clients all over the country. Okay. Sure. We still have a large group in Texas because that's where we started, but most of our clients are not local. It sounds like it. So when, 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 did you, when did you make that decision to grow? I mean, you, you know, obviously you start out locally in, in the Dallas area, but you, the internet came along and the business, but at some point in time, you probably made some conscious effort to grow. Day when one. was that? Day one. Day one. Okay. We were never going to be a mom and pop shop. Okay. That, and, wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted. Okay. I've met, <laughs> now, a lot of CPAs are perfectly happy operating by themselves, maybe with, with one lady in the office to answer the phone and handle the paperwork and uh -huh. filing and so on and so forth. And they make a nice living, okay? They're, okay. they're in the top 10% of wage earners. Okay. Okay. And a lot of CPAs like that because come the 16th of April, they take their vacation, mm -hmm. tax season's over, and so on and so forth. That's never what I wanted. Okay. I wanted a larger business that would produce uh, a very nice living for myself and my family uh -huh. uh, and for other people. And just to be, I didn't want to be just a little sole proprietor. That's not what I wanted. Are you, are you, are you, do you feel like you're realizing your dream? Still, we're growing. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're, 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 I, I'm, I, I have a very, I make a very nice living. Okay. Okay. And that's good. Uh, that's good. And, and that is good. Um, 
and my retirement is secure. Okay. So my my staff says, when are you going to retire? And I tell them, one of these days, you're going to come in into my office and find me dead at my desk. I've retired. That's retired. It makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I have no interest. My wife passed seven years ago. If she were alive, it would be different. But what am I going to do? Go sit at the house by myself? Right. <laughs> no, I understand. I enjoy my work. I enjoy my staff. I enjoy my clients. But I retire. So we're continuing to grow. We, we brought in a couple of new clients already this week. Okay. Uh, I've got a staff that handles that, works on that. Uh, the, the newest book has helped uh, get us publicity and get us recognized in the marketplace. All these things are, are going forward and we're continuing to grow at a rapider rate. Uh, my biggest mistake in business, very frankly, was not hiring marketing in many, many years ago. I thought I could market. Well, here a few years ago, I'd gotten busy. And so I said, well, I'll hire a marketing person. Well, it took me about three weeks to realize I can't market my way out of a paper bag. <laughs> so was that, was that one of those things, you know, like, like all CEOs, we start small and we grow. and We learn a lot through the school of hard knocks. So marketing was that one of the things you learned through the school of hard knocks. And I'm quite sure there are other CEOs out there are the same way. Marketing, you think you know marketing, you watch commercials on TV, and it's just not the same. Was, tell me, what, what, was, what was a turning point that made you realize that you needed additional help, that you knew you couldn't do it by yourself? Well, obviously, when you start out as an entrepreneur, you wear all the hats. And right. like you, you can see what it does to your hair. <laughs> Our hair is kind of clean. <laughs> right. So as we grew, I brought in other people and, and delegated tasks to them. And finally, we got to the point where the next task to delegate out was marketing. And so when I hired that person, that's when I realized I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Okay. Because they were so superior in their skill set and their ability to generate publicity and clients and so on. I, I was just astounded. Uh, I was amazed at just how poor at it I was. <laughs> well, well, Charles, you know, when you, when you, when you say that, and it, it sounds like as you've added staff, Lately, the marketing one, as you added Penny, who was the, uh, the initial reception, you weren't always a good interviewer, a good recruiter, and a good hirer. You pro- have you had some bad hires over the years, and how did you deal with them? I, one of the things that allowed us to succeed was my wife was a wonderful interviewer. Okay. She was an empath. She would pick up on things. And for the most part, we hired good people. Okay. One time I really said, no, we're going to hire this person. She says, Charles, I wish you wouldn't. And I did anyway. Three weeks later, I had to fire him and I regretted it. <laughs> okay. Now, sure. Did we make mistakes? Yeah. I, I had one girl that turned into a, she was a thief and she was stealing checks and uh, doing other things. Uh, and then I had a, a young, uh, young gentleman who I really, really liked. But when he got his CPA, he passed the exam. He then decided he was God's gift to business and wanted to tell the clients how to run their businesses because he was the CPA. Not advise them, but tell them. And I had to let him go after a few months. He just wouldn't stop. I I talked to him. I warned him. I sat down. I counseled him all these things you should do. And he just wouldn't stop telling people what to do. And because he thought he was, you know, he had the credentials now. 
You know um, what, Charles, when, when you say that, and I'm quite sure there are a lot of CEOs in the audience who might not have the guts to approach that person and say something. I see, I run into a lot of CEOs who are afraid to confront or are afraid to be the bad guy. You weren't. How'd you, how, what did you do to yourself? How, how did you force yourself, if you had to force yourself, to make that decision? Well, the way I was raised, I was raised by a naval officer and then a stint in the Marine Corps. Confrontation was not a big deal. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I had three sisters, no brothers, so confrontation was not a big deal. Uh, but it was so important. And this is something that a CEO has to understand. Hiring good people is important. But firing bad people is more important. Mm -hmm. A bad person, a bad hire, a bad apple will drag down the entire organization. Okay? You have to get rid of them. If they're not going to fit in, if they're not going to perform, if they're not going to get along, get rid of them. You'll be better off without them. I don't care if you have to do their work. You'll be better off without them there than with them. It is so important to get rid of a bad hire or someone that goes bad. And that that's, happens that's, too. That's that's great advice. And I, I hope our audience, some of our CEOs in the audience re remember that. Even though this might be your brother or your brother-in-law, if he's not working for the business, if the business, if he's not contributing and he's bringing things down, you got to take steps. You just can't drag along bad, dead weight. Worked for a company in San Antonio that was destroyed by the, the family. It was fourth generation and they had all kinds of people on the payroll because they were family uh -huh. and they weren't doing the jobs and the company went bankrupt and then they were all out of a job mm -hmm. and they pruned that uh, substantially. And I talked to the, to, to my boss, who was the great grandson of the founder and said, you know, we got to do that. And he said, we can't, it's their family, their cousins, their uncles, their brothers and sisters, so on and so forth. I said, can't afford this. And uh, I left and uh, in less than a year, they were bankrupt and, and sold off. Wow. Wow. And, and you didn't know, need it's, to. Un it's unfortunate that it has to end for some companies that way. It's very unfortunate. Now, and I'm, I'm glad you, you saw the light and got out ahead of time. Is that why you left? Did you see the light or you found a better opportunity? Well, the reason I left is they were in such poor shape. They needed to produce some fraudulent financial statements oh. for a government entity to get a contract. Okay. And they told me about it. And I said, uh, let me think about it. Went back to my office, collected everything I need to prove that I wasn't involved in it. Took all the copies home, came in back in the next day and resigned. Wow. Wow. Because I'm, I'm, I'm it, it's, they didn't have enough money, not that they would pay it all to me, but they didn't have enough money for me to go to jail for them. Well, okay. It, it, it sounds like ethics is ethics is a big part of you as a person, but I would also say ethics is a huge part of being a CEO of a company. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, ethics, whether you call it ethics or morality, I don't care. Uh, they're, 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 they go hand in hand. You have to be honest with your clients, with your employees, with the government, anything else is just courting disaster because it's going to bite you in the butt. Yep. Okay. Yep. It, it's like I tell people that I'm in the payroll business. So they say, well, I want to hire this person as a contractor. 
And I say, no, they're an employee. You're going to have to pay the taxes. You're going to have to bite the bullet and do it the correct way. Because it only takes one X contractor to go down and file unemployment for the unemployment people to come in and audit you and find out all the things you're doing wrong and literally can put you out of business. If you're doing it right, they can come in and audit all day long. You don't care because you got nothing to hide. Right, right. But if you're hiding things because you think, well, I need to do this to make more money. I need to do this to cut costs. I need to do this because it makes me more money. They're going to come back and bite you in the butt. I guarantee it's going to happen. Maybe not today. Maybe Mm -hmm. not this week. Maybe not this year. Maybe not next year. But sooner or later, it's going to happen. Get you, Charles. Let me let me let me ask you another question here. Yeah, Charles Reed, CEO, get payroll. What are you good at? What what's, what's your strengths? What I do now, and this is this is the wonderful thing of an established company, is my job at this point in time is to make my employees' lives easier, solve problems for them, make them more efficient, give them the tools, give them the training, give them the authority, the freedom to, to do the right things. And that makes them happy. It allows me to pay them better. It allows them to, to they're happier. And so they're more productive, they're more efficient, the company grows, we make more profits, it works for everybody. So, you know, I'm a, technically, I'm, I'm a very much of a, of a CPA, a very analytical person, very, very heavily versed in tax law, being a tax court practitioner and so on. So that's, you know, my expertise. And I still use it in the company. Uh-huh. When, when we have to deal with the IRS, I deal with the IRS, Okay. okay. Though my staff generates a lot of letters and so on to, to solve problems because I've got standard letters they can use. But when it comes down to the appeals hearings, the court hearings, whatever, that's my job. Okay. That's my expertise. I am training my ops manager in that. And over the course of the next three or four or five years, uh, that he'll probably take that over. I, I'm, 73, I'm 72 now. So wow. hopefully by the time I'm 80, he'll be able to take that over and he'll be an owner of the company because the company is going to my employees. Um, My daughter's grown, has her own family, her own life. She doesn't need my money. (laughs) Um, And she doesn't work in the company. So why should she just get it? Because she's my daughter. Right. These people have spent, my right-hand person has been with me 23 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. She already owns part of the company uh, and, and properly so. Okay. So they're going to end up with the company when I when I retire. <laughs> well, when you, when you say retire, when they find you at the desk, when you your head's on the desk, exactly. <laughs> you know what do you, what do you see? What do you see? I know you said eighty as you as you look at going out going out that way, but what do you see the company going in the next couple of years? What, what's what's going to what's get payroll going to do in the next couple of years? Continuing to grow, uh, and okay. we're continuing to grow nicely. Uh, we're up forty percent over last year. Great. Okay. So, and we'll probably do more than that this year. So we will become more of a national presence over the next number of years. Okay. So, uh, and, and, you know, my legacy uh, is not the company. The company will, the, 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 my employees will have that. The rest of my wealth will, goes into my wife's memorial scholarship. And that's, that's, that's my legacy. That's I do that through the Rotary Club of Dallas Foundation. Okay. 
I know you said you in Rotary. Well, that's a good transition right here. You know, we talk about Charles Reed, the CEO. Let's talk about the man behind the CEO title. What do you want to share to the audience about who you are, what you do, what you stand for? I think that foundation is a great thing to talk about if you want to. If you got something well, else, feel free to. Yeah, I, uh, the Rotary Club Fund, I've been a Rotarian now for 26, 27 years. Okay. Um, I love it. Um, we do a lot of good work in the community, in the country, in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's my giving back. Uh-huh. Uh, I've done other things. I taught school uh, for five years before my wife had her first stroke. Uh-huh. I taught intro to business every day at the high school, first period. Then I'd come to work. Okay. Owning the business, I could do that. And that was <laughs> a lot of fun teaching the kids. So uh-huh. I like to give back to the community. I, I think it's appropriate Though I, I, I tell you, my high school teachers would roll in their grave if they realized I was teaching high school. <laughs> that is something. Well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm proud of what you said. I'm proud of what you do. Because, you know, as you say, you can't take it to your grave. And I love the fact that, 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 that you're giving back. Charles, what would you like to share to your audience? What, what, what would you like to share with our audience? Uh, anything that comes across your mind? Well, there's a couple of things that I like to share with, with other people in business, entrepreneurs, and so on. Uh, there's two items. Uh, they're just old saws that I love. One is there's never a traffic jam on the extra mile. Mile for your clients, go the extra mile for your employees. Your competitors won't. And so that sets you apart and will, will generate you loyal clients. And loyal clients are much more desirable than happy clients because a loyal client you can screw up and they'll go, okay, right, and get through it. Right. You know, a happy client, you'll just make sad and they'll leave. So loyal uh-huh. clients are wonderful things. We've got clients who have been with us 30 years. Okay. Wow. And the next thing, particularly for those who are starting in business or are new in business, it's from Bill Gates. People will overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and underestimate what they can accomplish in a decade. It's a marathon, guys. It's not a sprint. You'll never be that unicorn. Just understand that. Mm -hmm. If it happens, well, fine, great. Send me a letter. But you can be successful, but it's not going to happen today. It's going to take time. It's a marathon. Just... Words of wisdom from Charles Reed. I, I, I really, really appreciate that. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, Charles, how would they get a hold of you? My email is CJR, Charles J. Reed, CJR at getpayroll.com. I will put the, that uh, information into the, uh, the show notes. And uh, you know, we, we've talked today to Charles Reed, the president and CEO of Get Payroll, of www.getpayroll.com. Charles, I really would like to thank you for being on the show today. I'd like to thank you for sharing your words of wisdom. And you, to me, you proved the fact that all accountants are not boring. You know, I, I, I grew up in the operations kind of business. And we always, we always called them bean counters. because always justified to the bean counters why you needed this piece of equipment or why you needed that piece of equipment. But it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I, I, I really like the insight you share with our audience. My pleasure, Wade. My pleasure. So thank you very much. And uh, audience, feel free to get a hold of Charles as you need to. 
remember, remember, this is the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. The CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast is for CEOs helping other CEOs execute exceptionally well. Thank you very much, and we'll talk later. Wayne Washington here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. If you are a successful CEO of a seven-figure project-based client delivery environment and would like to be a guest CEO on the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast, please visit www.ceosecrets-execution.com and apply. If today you learn a tip or a technique to apply from my guest CEO, other CEOs would appreciate your sharing this episode on social media. To do that, just take a quick screenshot with your phone, then text it to another CEO or post that screenshot on social media. If you know of other CEOs who would be a great guest, text them and let them know about the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. The CEO you are thinking about would appreciate you including a link to the scheduling website. That's www.ceosecrets-execution.com. We are regularly putting out new episodes. To make sure you don't miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe today. Remember, your thumbs up rating or a five-star review goes a long way to help promote the show and would mean an awful lot to me and my team. Do you want to know more about my company, Grow Company Profits? Go to our website at www growcompanyprofits.com You can also follow me, Wayne Washington on LinkedIn Thanks for listening and I'm looking forward to having you back for our next episode